Man, well, I believe I'm just going to just pick up where I left off last week. And last week, you know, really this all came out of a prayer at the end of a, the service that Wednesday before. And I was praying as, as we were closing the service. And, and this is what came out of my spirit is that we have a prevailing word and we have a prevailing spirit. The word prevail means to, to be able to go against every opposing force. It means to win out over every opposing force. That's what we are called to be as believers. The thing is, is because of faith, 1 John says this, and this is really what this ministry is founded upon. 1 John 5 says, whosoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. And verse four says, and whatsoever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that overcomes the world, even our faith. Amen. I have faith in the word that prevails and I have faith in the spirit that prevails. You know, think about that for a moment. The, the word that I have in the spirit that we've been given gives us the ability to win in life. We have been given everything that we need to be victorious. I have a word that is a prevailing word. Second Timothy 3 tells us that all scripture is God-breathed, God-inspired, and it's to, it's to, thoroughly, it says, to make the man of God complete. And it's to thoroughly furnish, furnish us for every good work. You talk about a word that gives you the ability to win. I'm telling you, the word that you, that's why it's so important that we send out every, every Monday morning, we send out, if you're a part of it, first things first, we send out a message that these are the chapters that we're reading this week. If you're not a part of that, I will encourage you to, to get connected with that because every week we send out scriptures for that week. Every day, these are the scriptures that you read. Why? Because the word will cause you to have faith and faith is what causes us to overcome. It doesn't matter what you might be facing right now. You need to know that the word of God planted in your heart coming out of your mouth will cause you to be victorious over any situation that you're facing right now. You were born again by an incorruptible word. That means a word that is without defect. See, this word isn't corruptible, meaning if it's corruptible, it has defects, but we were born again of an incorruptible word, and it tells us that word lives and abides forever. Hallelujah. I have a prevailing word. This word is life and health to all my flesh. It can, it can take me higher. It can give peace to my mind. It can, it can give me vision for my future. It can give me direction in every area of my life. It can cause you to come up higher. It will cause us to walk in the maximum. It will cause us to live at the highest level attainable. That's why you need to be in this word. Don't just be in this word on a Sunday morning while, while, while whoever's up here is ministering. No, you need to be in the word for yourself. You, you need this word. The word that comes from here on a Sunday morning should be a word that pastors you or gives you vision, gives you direction. It should be also words that are confirming things that the Holy Spirit is already speaking to you. I love when, when people will come up to me or they'll message me and you say, man, pastor, that word that you preach, man, I was, I was, man, I, I had that same, I read those same scriptures. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is speaking to all of us. 
The word that's coming forth from here should answer questions that you have during the week. That's what rabbit trails are for services, things you don't plan on saying. And I'm like, and I'm like, why am I saying this? And it's like, why? Because Adrian had a question. There was something he asked God about that week. And when all of a sudden the Holy Spirit is answering the cry of his heart. That's why I just don't want to just come up here and, and preach what I want to preach or preach what might sound good. No, I want to be led by the Holy Spirit and what I'm releasing to us as a church family. We have a word that's a prevailing word. And we have a spirit that will cause us to win. 2 Corinthians 3, 18 says this. It says, the spirit... It says, where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. There's freedom where the spirit of the Lord is. I mean, the spirit on the inside of us can cause us to do, thing, do things that we could have never done in our natural ability. I mean, if we just went through all the instances throughout Scripture about the Spirit of God. I mean, think of just one man, Joseph. Here he is. He's the second in charge in Egypt under Pharaoh. And Pharaoh says this. Is there anyone else in the kingdom that's like this man? Now, listen to this. In whom the Spirit of God dwells. I'm telling you, someone is looking for you. Amen. Someone is looking for you. You are the answer to someone's prayer. Whether you might realize it, there's a, there is a business looking for you. If you're, you're about to establish a business, you need to know there's a customer looking for you. If you're single, you need to understand there is, there is a spouse looking for you. Come on, come on, girl. <laughs> but I'm telling you, you better, you better be one that has the Spirit of God on the inside of you. And you know what? And they better have the Spirit of God on the inside of them. See, I mean, <laughs> Joseph ran out of Potiphar's wife. You don't need to stay in with Potiphar's wife, all right? So <laughs> that, was, that was a good point if you didn't get that. I mean... The Spirit of God on the inside of you. I mean, think about it. Moses had the Spirit of God on him, and he, he said he placed the same, he laid hands on Joshua and laid the same Spirit of wisdom on, on, side of, on the inside of Joshua. Why? Because Joshua was going to take them into the promised land. But it's not going to happen in and of ourselves. It doesn't matter how, how much charisma you have. It doesn't matter how educated you might be. I'm telling you, the Spirit of God can take you places the world can never take you. Yes. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. If you didn't know, we are a Spirit-filled, Holy Ghost, Word of Faith, Prosperity, Believing, Healing Church. Wall to wall. Wall to wall. Go to Isaiah 52. Isaiah 52. 
I worship you because of who you are. Mm. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Now, this is, I just want to establish the nature of we talk about the spirit of the Lord or the spirit of God. Let's, let's just look at the nature of God for a moment. I just read Psalms 146 just a moment ago about the, how God reigns. Now, let's look at this. Awake, awake, put on your strength, O Zion. Zion represents a, is, an, uh, is really a representation, a prophetic word of the New Testament church. So it's interesting that he has to tell his own people. He has to tell God's people. That they need to wake up. Your pastor this morning is telling you, you need to wake up. Amen. We got to wake up. Amen. Not only did he, he said it twice. Awake, awake. If you read chapter 51 and you read chapter 52, I think he does that awake, awake, I think like four different times. He's trying to get a point across. Awake, put on your strength, O Zion. Put on your beautiful garments. Now, the best way to this word beautiful is actually the word glory. The word beautiful is actually in the Hebrew translated as glory. So we say, put on the glory. <laughs> awake, awake, put on your strength and put on the glory. Now, it's interesting. It's like they're not waiting for God to put it on. God's waiting for them to put it on. This isn't about waiting for God to do something. This is about something that they should have already been doing. Put on your strength, O Zion, and put on your beautiful garments, or put on the glory, O Jerusalem, the holy city, for the uncircumcised and the unclean shall no longer come to you. And he says, shake yourself, shake yourself from the dust and arise. Sit down, O Jerusalem, loose yourself from the bounds of the bonds of your neck, O captive daughter of Zion. Now, who's doing the loosing? We are. See, there, there's things that we have to understand as New Testament believers that you're like, well, I'm just waiting for God to cause me to be free. No, God's waiting for you to loose yourself from the bonds. You, you, you draw near to God, he'll draw near to you. You have to take the step in your freedom. There's not going to be necessarily this glory ball that's going to come out of heaven and all of a sudden strike you and you're never going to have another problem. The issue is too often we settle for our bondage instead of getting sick and tired of our bondage. And the thing is, you're saying, look, loose yourself. You're, you're, in, you, you're in bondage because of yourself, not because I haven't done something or you, you don't, that I don't desire you to be free. Loose yourself from these bonds. For thus says the Lord, you have sold yourself for nothing. Now, did the enemy sell them? Did God sell them? <laughs> you sold themselves. We have to stop being sellouts to the world. Stop being, we have to stop being a sellout to the world. You've sold yourself for nothing. Wow, it's one thing to get a, a pretty price for yourself, but you actually got nothing. That's not, a good, that's not a good trade. And you, shall be re, and you shall be redeemed without money. Oh, I'm sorry, aren't you grateful that you didn't have to pay for your redemption? 
Hallelujah. For thus says the Lord, my people went down at first into Egypt and dwelled there. Then the Assyrian oppressed them without cause. Now, therefore, what have I here, says the Lord, that my people are taking away for nothing. Those who roll over them, make them wail, says the Lord. And my name is blasphemed continually every day. That's what the world would love to do continually to make fun of you. Make fun of God doesn't exist. God's not real. Verse 6, therefore, my people. So because of this, therefore, my people shall know my name. It's ten people. <laughs> <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> man, Kenny, he knows your name, man. He knows your name. As it says, he knows, your, he knows our name, therefore. Man, I, I love that. That is awesome. Thank you. Didn't even have to plan that. That's, that's good. I'm turning red right now. But, you know, if you're new here, you know, back in 2007, 6, when I started preaching, you know, I, I'd only, when Dutchville had me as pastor of the church, I'd only preached four times in my life, and he had to be a great man of faith, and... And some of you have heard this story, some of you haven't, but it's some comic relief. But, you know, my mom would say, oh, when the anointing comes on Justin, he turns all red. I said, mom, that's not the anointing. That's fear. That's fear. That's all. That's fear. Anyway, how beautiful. I mean, verse six again, therefore, my people shall know my name. Therefore, they shall know in that day that I am he who speaks. Now this, behold, is it, I, it is I. How beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who bro- brings good news, who proclaims peace, who brings glad tidings of good things, who proclaims salvation, who says to Zion, your God reigns. You know, this is ultimately was the message of Jesus. This is ultimately the message of Jesus. How beautiful are the feet of them that bring good news. So ultimately, Jesus' message really came down to this is, my God reigns. Why? Because he, he prevails. Prevail again means to prove more powerful than any opposing force. Thank you, Father. Go to uh, Colossians 3. He reigns. Say he reigns. He reigns. Hallelujah. Mm. The word is going to build us up today. Mm. You know what? You, when you leave here today, are you going to be? Are you going to be the ones with beautiful feet? Are are we going to be the ones with beautiful feet? And what is, what is our message? Our God reigns. Colossians 3, let's look at verse 15. It says, he is the image of the invisible. It's talking of Jesus. So Jesus is the image of the invisible. So you want to know what God looks like? Look at Jesus. He's the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth. 
visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. Now look at verse 18. And he is the head of the body, the church. This is Colossians 3.18. And he is the head of the body. Oh, okay. 118. Sorry. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Colossians 1. 18. I'm going to turn red again. Here we go. Uh, <laughs> I'm sure there's something great in Colossians 3.18 there, but it says, and he is the head of the body, the head. He's the head of the body, the church, who is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. Now list this, that in all things, in all things, he may have preeminence. What does preeminence mean? To, be, to surpass all others in ability and power. So he's the head of the body, the church. You see, he's the head and we are the body. And in all things, he may have preeminence. Surpassing all others in ability and power. Now, if he's the head and we're part of the body, you can't separate the body from the head. I mean, it's like your body didn't come here and your head stay home. Your body, the body had to follow the head. He's the head, we are the body, and, and he is preeminent, surpassing all things in ability and power. In all things, he may have the preeminence. See, the church needs to come to a place, the believer needs to come to a place where we operate on another level. We needed to be start operating like we are the body of Christ. Because if he's the head and we're the body, then we need to be understand that we, if he has preeminence, that means we have preeminence. Let's go to Matthew chapter 16. So his word is a prevailing word and his spirit is a prevailing spirit. So the church should be preeminent over all things. The church should be surpassing everything and ability and power. But too often the church is weak, it's broke, it's confused. <laughs> preeminent. We have to stop seeing ourselves naturally. See, most of the time we look at problems in the natural and we see ourselves as natural instead of seeing ourselves and who God has created us to be. 
Even as believers, we, we kind of have this, well, I, I have the Bible, but we don't understand. The Bible is actually to, to make me more like him. And so often we've looked at this Christian life as some sort of compartment that we put on a Sunday morning and therefore there's my, this, is my, this is my Christian life, I leave church and then I'll go get into real life now. I was guilty of that. It's like, oh, well, I'm a Christian and then, I, and then I go away and I live the rest of my life and oh yeah, I've got Jesus and yeah, I've got, you know, the, yeah, there's some scriptures I know, but, but the thing is, is, is it producing a lifestyle that's on another level from the rest of the world? Do I love on another level? Do I forgive on another level? Do I have joy that the world doesn't have? Do I have peace that the world doesn't have? Do, do, I, do, do I have a boldness that the world doesn't have? Do I have a strength? Are people coming to me and saying there's something different about you? I, I don't know what it is. And, and I'll say, you know what? It's, it's he's the head and I'm the body. And I'm like him. But if we compartmentalize our Christian life, then we, we will separate it on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And we'll say, okay, well, I'll, I'll, I'll put on my Christian hat and, and get spiritual for a moment. That was a great service. But he wants us to have a greater dimension of understanding of who we are. Matthew 16. Verse 13. When Jesus came into the region of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, who do men say that I the son of man am? So they said some John the Baptist and some Elijah and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. And he said to them, but who do you say that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you Simon Barjona for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you, but my father who is in heaven. Now, if flesh didn't reveal it to him, then it had to be spirit that revealed it to him. My father who is in heaven, and I also say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Now, we know that it wasn't about building the church on Peter, but it was about building it on revelation knowledge. But I don't think just any revelation knowledge, I think it was a revelation of the revelation knowledge that he is Christ, the Son of the living God. And it's on this revelation that Christ, the son of the living God, that the gates of hell cannot prevail against it. We're, the, the, the church, the gates of hell shall not prevail against the church. You, why? Because he's the head, we're his body, and he has preeminence over all things. And so as the church, we should be preeminent over all things, right? Because he's the head, we're the body. Now stay with me here. The revelation that Christ, the son of the living God. Just, just think with me for a moment. Acts 10.38. How God anointed. 
Jesus Christ, or actually Jesus of Nazareth. He didn't say, I don't think he said Jesus Christ. He said Jesus of Nazareth. Because it was the anointing that made him the Christ. How God, Christo, rubbed on, smeared all over, anointed Jesus. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. What did he anoint him with? Holy Ghost and power. And it was the Holy Ghost and power that caused him to go about and do good. And what? And heal all that were oppressed of the devil for what? God was with him. So this revelation that Christ, you could, he, he could have said this, thou art the anointed one, the son of the living God. Thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. What caused him to be called the Christ? Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit, and power. And it was those two things. He didn't go about and do good and heal that all over press because his name was Jesus or Emmanuel or Yeshua. Some people have arguments over, should we call him Jesus or not? I mean, come on. Really, people do that. No, we have to say this word. No, he knows your heart. Come on. Anointed. Christ, the son of the living God. How God anointed him with the Holy Ghost and power. And he went about doing good. And say, we could say it this way. And turning upside down the enemy's plans. So the anointing that was upon Jesus was to prevail over the enemy. But the anointing was what? The Holy Spirit in power. So the spirit on Jesus and the power on Jesus called him to prevail over the enemy. 1 John 4, 8 says that why did Jesus come? That he would destroy the works of the enemy. If he destroyed the works of the enemy, that means he had to prevail over the works of the enemy. So the spirit on Jesus empowered him to overcome the works of the enemy. Thank you, Father. Go to Luke chapter 4. Thank you, Father. Mm. Verse 16 says, So he came to Nazareth where he had been brought up. And as his custom was, he went into the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. And he was handed the book of the prophet Isaiah. Mm. He handed the word. And when he had opened the book, he found the place where it was written. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. The spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. 
Now think about this for a moment. Meaning the message that would come from this anointing on Jesus would have the ability to prevail over poverty. So the spirit that was on Jesus was an anointing to release a message that would cause people that, and tell people that they don't need to live in poverty anymore. Don't tell me that God doesn't care about where you are financially. The very first thing that Jesus even said was, the anointing is on me to preach the gospel to the poor. You know, that, that, that's poor financially, that's poor emotionally, that's, that's, that's poor in every area of your life. But yet, yet Jesus was saying, I'm bringing some good news to you. And good news to a poor person is they don't need to be poor anymore. Now, if we look at every single one of these things here, it says, he sent me to heal the brokenhearted. So would be the anointing, the spirit of God was sent to prevail over brokenheartedness. Think about it. The Spirit of God is on your life to carry you out of brokenheartedness. The Spirit of God is in this room right here to deliver you from a broken heart. The Spirit of God was on him to what? Proclaim liberty to the captives. So the Spirit of God, this tells me, is to prevail over bondage. to recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord or the year of Jubilee. So we understand the spirit of God was sent on our lives to prevail over all the attacks of the enemy. Go to John 6. John 6. Hmm. Let's look at verse 60. John 6, verse 60. It says, Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying, who can understand it? When Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this offend you? Now listen to this, verse 62, what then if? Some translations say, what and if? And you know, I've read John 6, I don't know how many times. But there's something that just stuck out to me in this chapter that I don't really think I'd ever recognized before. Because it's like, he says, does this offend you? And then he says, what then if you should see the Son of Man ascend where he was before? Meaning, what's going to happen when you see it? What and if? Meaning, meaning it could be, it might be an if and it could be a, it could be. That you see the Son of Man where he ascended before. The next verse says this. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. Now, this word profit nothing. 
The flesh profits nothing. This, this word means prevail. The spirit produces life, but the flesh doesn't prevail. Meaning you're never going to overcome in your flesh, but it's the spirit that gives life. Now, I'm just, I'm just continuing. I'm just teaching here, okay? Are you with me? Yes. Now, what really caused me to think was this, the phrase of what and if you see the Son of Man ascend up to where he was before. Let's go to Acts chapter 1. And his answer to that was, it's the Spirit that gives life, but the flesh profits nothing. Or the f- flesh can't prevail. I really believe in my heart that Jesus was speaking prophetically to something that they would eventually have the ability to operate in the spirit and not operate in the flesh. Acts chapter one, verse seven for the sake of time. And he said to them, it is not for you to know the times or the seasons when the father has put in his own authority, but you shall receive power. Say power. Power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you shall be witnesses to me in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Verse 9 Now, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, he was taken up and a cloud received him of their sight. Let me say it again, nine. Now, when he had spoken these things, what did he just speak? The Holy Spirit is going to come upon you and you're going to receive power and you're going to be my witnesses. Now, when he had spoken these things, while they watched, He was taken up and a cloud received him of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly towards heaven as he went up, behold, two men stood by him in white apparel who also said, men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing up into heaven? The same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come into you in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So I believe in John 6, he was speaking prophetically. What and if you see the Son of Man ascend? And he, right after he says, he goes, the, in the, the, the spirit is life, but in the flesh you will not prevail. So he's saying, those that see me rise, those that look to me in that day, and those that see me go, they're, they're going to be filled with the spirit. And they're not going to be at a place where they operate in defeat. They're not operating, but they're going to operate in preeminence. Why? Because they now have the same spirit that was on me is now on them. I got, now, I'm, I'm not going to say that this is necessarily scripture, but I just, I just had this just thought on the inside of me, Joseph, and it just, it just kind of went off on the inside of me. I was reminded of the story of Elijah and Elisha. And, and right towards the end of Elijah's life, and they said to him, and he said, why, why are you following me? And, and he says, he goes, I want a double portion, Tim. And he goes, what, if you see me go, it'll be done to you. And what happened when Elijah, when Elijah left and the whirlwind of fire, what happened? It said the mantle fell to the ground. And he picked up, Elisha picked up the mantle, stood at the, 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 the river. 
And he, he, he smote it and he said, where is the God of Elijah? And the, and the water split. I just got this, I had this picture, and I'm not saying that this is gospel or not, but I just got this picture that, that Jesus said, said, when you see me, when, what and if you see me go, the spirit will bring life, but your flesh will profit nothing. And I just got this picture, us as a New Testament church. That's why Jesus said, greater works that you'll do because I go to the Father. Elijah did greater works when he went up to heaven. And yet we, as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ, the body, he's the head, we're the body. And in him, we have preeminence. And I'm telling you, when we, we see him go, I see him resurrected. Do you see him resurrected? I see him resurrected. He's sitting at the right hand of the Father. Hallelujah. And, I, and, and he sent down the mantle that was on him, and it was the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. So therefore, as he went about doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil, I have a spirit on the inside of me that prevails over poverty, prevails over sickness, prevails over disease, prevails over brokenheartedness. I'm telling you, it's something that you are to receive, and it's something you're to release. The anointing is something that you receive, but it's something that you release. Why? Because he's the head and we're the body and he has preeminence over all things. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Preeminent in all things. You have the Holy Spirit on the inside of you. You have the anointing of God on the inside of you. Hallelujah. There's not, no area of our lives where we should be walking in defeat. Paul told Timothy, he goes, God has not given you a spirit of fear, but a power, love, and a sound mind. The Lord is that spirit. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's liberty. Hallelujah. Go to Zechariah chapter 4. Hallelujah. Mm. Mm. Zechariah chapter 4. We have a spirit that prevails. Mm. Hallelujah. Verse 3. Actually, verse... Hallelujah. Mm. Verse two, it says, and he said to me, what do you see? So I said, I'm looking and there is a lampstand of solid gold with the bowl on top of it. And on the, on the stand, there's seven lamps with seven pipes to the seven, seven lamps. Two olive trees are by it, one at the right hand of the bowl and the other at the left. So I answered and said to the angel who talked with me, saying, What are these, my Lord? Then the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, Do you not know what these are? And I said, No, my Lord. So he answered and said, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel. Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. He says, Who are you, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? You shall become a plain. Zerubbabel was the governor of Judea. He was a leader. Some say he was a high priest. And so here he says, who are you? Who are you, O great man, standing in, in front of the person that's representing 
my people. He goes, you shall be made a plain. See, there's things that, that, that you have, we have out in front. You have assignments on your life. You have things that God has called you to do. There's people that you're called to reach. So you might say, well, who am I? How, how is this going to happen? Or how, how am I going to get into that position? And what could ever, what, how, how, God, how is this going to be? How are you going to use me? It, it doesn't matter. It's not going to be by might. It's not going to be by your own power, but it's going to be by your, by his spirit, says the Lord. And the mountain will be made a plain. I want, I want us to understand that there's been mountains standing in front of us for far too long, but the things that were mountains are now going to look like plains. The things that looked impossible are also going to now to seem possible. Why? Because we have a revelation of who we are and who's on the inside of us. Because we have a spirit that prevails. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. Go to 1 Corinthians 12, and I'll, I'll, I'll close with this. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. First Corinthians 12. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father. Now, before I read that, I want to read a scripture in Ephesians. If you're taking notes, you can make note of it. It's Ephesians 4, 6. He says this, There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope. So we have one body, one spirit, and we're called to one hope. One Lord, one faith, one baptism. One God and Father of all, now listen this, who is above all, through all, and in you all. Wait a minute. So the, the one that we have, him, the baptism that we have is above all, through all, and in you all. Now let's look at First, first Corinthians 12, verse 13. For by one spirit... We were all baptized into one body. For by one spirit, we were baptized in, into one body. Now, let me hear this. This speaks of salvation. This is salvation. This is not being filled with the spirit. For by one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. When you were immersed into a body means you became a believer. Then it says, whether Jew or Greek, whether slave or free, now listen, and have all been made to drink into one spirit. That's being filled with the Holy Ghost. Hallelujah. We've been baptized. Hallelujah. The Spirit is baptized into one body, and all of us, it doesn't matter who we are, we've been made to drink into one spirit. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Father, that we've been made to drink into one spirit. We have the spirit of God on the inside of us. Greater is he that's in us than he that's in the world. Hallelujah. I'm telling you, you are called to change other people's lives. 
You are called to go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature, make disciples of all nations. You are called. You have the spirit of God on the inside of you to help others prevail. Hallelujah. The word and the spirit will cause us to prevail. Just go ahead and stand to your feet. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Mm. Thank you, Lord. Mm. Mm. Okay, Lord. Mm. Hallelujah. Let's just pray in the spirit for a moment. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Oh, Father, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that the spirit of God is strong on the inside of each one of us. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord, that we have received. Hallelujah. Thank you. We have received and been baptized into the body. Hallelujah. If you've made Jesus the Lord of your life, you've been baptized into his body. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And we are called to drink the one spirit. Jesus said, all that are thirsty, let them come unto me and drink. He said he was speaking about this Holy Spirit that had not yet been given. I just was prompted by the, just the Holy Spirit to read, read something from Acts chapter 2. Hallelujah. I'm just... Mm. Whether you realize it or not, you're called to be a minister of reconciliation. the day after the rushing mighty wind came in. I'm so glad it wasn't a, a slow and weak wind. <laughs> it was a rushing mighty wind. And they said, this is that that was spoke, spoken by the prophet Joel. And it says, and it shall come to pass in the last days, says God that I will pour out my spirit or my fire on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. I mean, if you have a problem with women preachers, you need to read that, just so you know. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions. Your old men shall dream dreams. And on your men servants and maid servants, I will pour out my spirit 
Now he talks about sons and daughters. And he said that when this spirit comes upon you, this prevailing spirit that comes upon you, you will declare things. You will speak things. This word prophesy doesn't just mean to declare, but it also means to sing songs. It means to declare lyrics. You know, when they, they heard them all praying in other tongues and they heard them from different languages and people have, there's been so many things and the Lord hasn't let me get to talk about tongues yet, but it's diverse kinds of tongues, meaning it's not just your personal tongue. There's diverse kinds of tongues. And so in this instance, we hear them all speaking in our language, what the wonderful works of God. I'm telling you, when the spirit of God comes upon you, you will be able to declare the wonderful works of God. God's not looking for you to go out and necessarily this, this attitude of fear and trembling, being afraid to talk to someone. No, he wants you to know that you have the word in you and you have a prevailing spirit on the inside of you for you to stand up and you to declare the wonderful works of God to everywhere you go. He says this, he goes, he says this, he goes, I will pour out my spirit in those, those days and they shall prophesy Actually, it says, and my, on my men servants and maid servants. This speaks of those that are choosing to be slaves of God. Meaning I'm choosing God. I'm saying, here I am, use me. Meaning, meaning it's a bond servant, meaning it's a, I'm a slave by choice. And he's saying, I'm going to pour out my spirit on them. And what is, it, what is going to happen through them? I will show wonders in heaven above and signs in the earth beneath. Now, now hear this, the spirit of God is on us to win and to prevail. And on the men servants and maid servants, it says that they will prophesy and through them, there will be signs in the heavens and signs on the earth. That means you and I, we are called to say something and do something. You are a sign and wonder waiting to happen. You are a sign and wonder waiting to happen. Because that's what it says on my man, man, maid servants and men servants. They will prophesy and they'll see wonders in heaven and on the earth. Wow. Man. Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. You know, if you're not expecting signs and wonders to flow through your life, they never will. If you're not expecting to have a word in season for someone that's weary, you never will. Hallelujah. I just sense strong in my heart that, that, that we as a church, the body, that we have to step in in this realization that we have preeminence in all things that we don't have to live subject to our environment or subject to the rest of the world. <laughs> the disciples sure didn't. <laughs> They'd say, they got beaten. They said, okay, we're gonna release you, but don't preach in this name anymore. The next verse, they went back to the center of the city and, and preached the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. 
Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Do you want this in your life? Do we want this as a church? Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. We're not a, you're not, you're not a weak believer. <laughs> mm. Spirit of God is on the inside of you. Oh. Just let, let's just worship the Lord. Danny, can you come up? Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Oh, we thank you for the Spirit of God. Hallelujah. That's resting on every believer in this place and every believer watching by way of internet. Oh, thank you, Lord, as the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. We are strong in the Lord and the power of His might. We're strong in the Lord and the power of His might. Woo! Hallelujah. 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 Thank you, Father. Hallelujah. Thank you that the Spirit of God is in this place, working and moving up and down every aisle and in and out of every row. I thank you the Spirit of God, the Spirit of grace is giving hope to every person in this place today, that they are not an accident, that they're not a mistake, but they have a divine design and purpose by Heavenly Father. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father, that they're equipped with everything needful. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Oh, thank you, Holy Spirit, flow in this place. Thank you for empowering every believer, strengthen every believer. Hallelujah. Thank you for your tangible presence. Hallelujah. That rests upon your believer. Thank you, Father. Oh, Father, for the grace and peace, Lord, and the anointing that strengthens, that equips. Oh. Mm. Thank you, Father. Oh, hallelujah. Mm. Mm. Hallelujah. Thank you, Father. Oh. Thank you, Father, for the anointing to teach. Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Mm. 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 Hallelujah. Just take your finger and point it to the side of your mouth. Say this, Lord, thank you for the Holy Spirit. Thank you for giving me words to say. Cause me to declare your goodness and power. Put your hand to your heart. Out of my heart, Lord, let the fire of God burn in me and flow out of me to touch others' lives. Hold your hands out. Say, Father, I thank you for these hands. These hands have anointing flowing through them. I will be part of your church 
that is preeminent over all things. Father, I'll be your hands. I'll be your voice. I'll be your strength that other people see and are changed by your presence in power on my life. So be it. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Father.